Hi there, my name's Ushin Lunny and welcome to Audio Talks, presented to you by Harman. And in this episode, we are going to ask the big question. Can music change the world? Right now, I'm honoured to be joined by three cultural crusaders who are arguably doing just that. Helen Silna is the founder and head of Talon Music Week and Station Narva. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. Hello, nice to be here. Awesome to see you, Helen. And uh, listeners, I should just uh, make a little disclosure here. I did go to Talon Music Week and had one of the best times of my life. It is one of the most incredible festivals in one of the most incredible cities on the planet. If you haven't been, you need to go there. Anyway, end of disclosure. Um, and welcome to the podcast, Dr. Shemender Talwar, who's the co-founder and trustee of the Unity of Faiths Foundation, aka Tough. Thank you so much. And lining up our power trio is Pamela Lewis, the president and CEO of PLA Media. Welcome to the podcast, Pam. Hi. Sincere delight to reconnect with you and to be invited on your podcast. So thank you so much. Okay, I think it'd be nice just to start by getting a bit of the backstory. Talk to us a bit about what you do today and also a bit about how you got there. And we'll start with your good self, Helen. Yes, um, my story has been connected to music sector and music industry for more than 20 years now. I was born into a family based in Estonia of musicians. My father was a player in a symphonic orchestra. My mother was an opera singer. But somehow it happened that uh, I ended up in the pop and rock industry for my first job. But then... uh, uh, since 2009, um, I have been running a music talent showcase festival and the city culture festival, which has uh, the name called Tallinn Music Week. So that has been going on for 15 years. And five years ago, we kicked off another festival in a border town, literally in between of Russia and uh, Europe. So it's in an Estonian co- town called Narva, which is 96% Russian spoken. So the other festival is titled Station Narva. Mm-hmm. And I'm also one of the founders of uh, Estonian music organization called Music Estonia. So I can say that I've been actively part of the Estonian and uh, European Nordic Baltic music community um, around 25 years. <laughs> um, Helen, I'm curious, what inspired you to follow that path? I think uh, I am uh, one of those people who likes to see myself as a problem solver. Yeah, yeah. And um, somehow um, uh, in my previous work, uh, when we were doing all the big stadium and arena shows from, I don't know, Elton John to Depeche Mode and Rammstein and these big megastars, what I started realizing and seeing around myself that nobody was really consciously working to support the local and regional talent. So back in 2009, we felt that something was really in the air. And there was a lot of creativity booming from all the genres in Estonia. So Estonian music is quite well known for its classical music composers and choir music. But we also felt that there was a lot going on in the pop and rock and electronic music circles. So we built the festival essentially to start uh, supporting and giving opportunities for young musicians from all the uh, different genres and and scenes. So um, my reason to be in this uh, sector and I think to be doing these festivals is to create the kind of a machinery that creates opportunities for young talented people but also as we went along with the festival in Tallinn we started realizing some other opportunities we could see we could bring together the 
tourism and service sector, we could start promoting the city as a whole. Uh, we could look into the whole city fabric and who else are the interesting players who we thought the international visitors would care to see. We also found out that um, running a festival is a great kind of a tool to bring the whole sector together itself. So, I don't know, coming from a small country, you really have the feeling that, um, you know, we could be best at collaboration. (laughs) And uh, the way I look at our festivals, both of them actually is today is kind of a tool to collaborate, but tool to also kind of drive um, some of the neglected parts of the town, tool Mm. to make some of the communities to collaborate who otherwise wouldn't, and also a tool to make uh, international kind of cultural diplomacy ties with with other nations and uh, cities and countries. Fantastic. And you're based in, is it uh, Taliskivi? Yeah, this is where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> this is uh, in uh, in Estonia, Tallinn, in the northern part of Tallinn, which used to be like quite an industrial zone at the back of a railway station. Yeah. Right on, uh, I can see the old town and the towers of the medieval old town from my window. Wow. But Taliskivi is a great example of actually how culture can uh, give new purpose to a part of town, which, uh, you know, was kind of a post in industrial neglected area of the town but you know within five years 250 creative companies moved to the Deliskivi creative city now it hosts eight restaurants three theaters and it's like one of the most booming parts of the town so see what culture can do (laughs) thank you so much Helen that's absolutely fascinating and uh, coming over to yourself Shemenda tell us a bit about the Dr. Talwar origin story I'm a social psychologist. My daytime job is working for the NHS, as you know, in, in, in Britain, um, as a social psychologist, as a clinical psychologist. I've been doing that for many, many years. Um, and I am the co-founder of the Unity of Fates Foundation, or TUF, as they call it, a secular charity organization. It's a British charity, but we work in four continents around the world. And it's basically helping youth and communities with education and human values through sport music, arts and science. And we're a think and do tank for governments and city councils around the world. Looking back on your life, do you think that music has changed your world? Completely. I mean, I wasn't a musician. I wasn't a, I didn't understand. The only thing I did know was I, I was in the music. I, I, I understand music when I was in the, 80, when in the 80s, when I was a young guy. Yeah. So the Beatles or ABBA or uh, Debbie Harry or something. Um, after AHA, I think in the nineties, I let, I didn't seriously. I just let go of music and con- concentrated on my on my medical field or psychology field. And music was come back, brought back to me with with, with a project which we're going to talk about later on. And it's fascinating how music ha- has the power. And I know this through psychology has mm. the power of healing, has the power of unity, has the power of bringing people together. Um, you know, there's only one language, the language of the heart, and that language is music. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I love that. That's that's my next tattoo right there. And now we are going to continue with the origin stories and we're going to come to your good self, Pamela. Tell us a bit about what you do today and how you got there. Um, okay. Well, I'm originally from New York State. Um, lived in Manhattan right before moving to the great state of Tennessee, which, trust me, was a huge culture shock. But my my journey grew up in a little town, upstate Middle Hudson Valley, just a little bit north of Manhattan, and went to college and then graduated with a degree in econ and marketing and uh, French, lived in France for a while, and then got a job offer 
to launch what became MTV Music Television to the world. And it did that for several years and then got a job offer to move to Nashville to work for RCA Records. And I thought it was important for me to take the, the job, even though I really didn't want to leave Manhattan. I, you know, no one wants to leave when you're in New York. You think it's the only world there. Yeah. But at any rate, I did leave and I wanted to learn the music industry. And I had not really understood how publishing works and um, artist management, how a label works. And so it was really baptism by fire. Mm. So we were the top label at the time, and we were launching careers like Vince Gill. We had, were working with a, um, a country pop band called Alabama. We had a duo called the Judds, oh, yeah. uh, Naomi and uh, Winona Judd. Mm. And it was, I loved songs. And so for me to really learn the importance of singer-songwriters, how they worked within the publishing world. I mean, literally, I was so naive that I thought when I picked up a chart, a billboard chart, and it's listed the songs, I just assumed that if uh, Alabama was listed or Kenny Rogers or whoever, that they wrote the songs. And so I didn't really understand how it worked and how the process of singer-songwriters and producers and publishers and how all of that, the, the machinations of the business work. So, so it was good for me to, to learn that. So I did that for about a year. And then I uh, started my own company doing PR, marketing, artist development, working with record labels like MCA Records and Capital Records and working with Steve Earle, Lyle Lovett, for two of the people we work with, uh, Nicolette Larson, and um, some non-country projects as well. And then met a, a guy by the name, Bob Doyle. And mm. Bob Doyle was working at ASCAP at the time. And he said, I'm going to start a management company. I'm looking for a partner. I, would you be interested? And I said, well, what did you have in mind? So my skill set was different than his. I was more the artist development and the things he was more publishing. And so we started what became Doyle Lewis Management. That was a great run. We did that for about eight years. And our very first artist was Garth Brooks. Wow. And uh, he became a superstar in, in this country and less so in the rest of the world, but uh, certainly popular in Ireland. Oh, and I, I always said, we've got to release simultaneously to Europe. We cannot wait on the rest of the world. And so many times artists, especially in country music, they'll wait till they're successful and then they may or may not leave the U.S. And so I was adamant about putting out a single. The same time we had a single out uh, in the U.S., we had one out in Europe. And we went to Germany and we went to Holland and we went to, of course, the U.K. And so that was a fabulous run. Again, baptism by fire. I always say I was involved with two phenomenons, one being MTV Music Television, the other being Garth Brooks. We also worked with other singer-songwriters and we worked with Trisha Yearwood and got her her record deal. And she had her first record ever released was a number one record. It was the first time that a country female had a number one record on their first single. So that was exciting too. And I've continued this PR and marketing company, Artist Development. Uh, I always felt like you have to have diversified income and not put all your eggs in one basket. I kind of learned that early on um, from my parents. And we've worked with interesting projects like the Americana Music uh, Triangle, the Americana Music Triangle, where you and I met yes. and uh, took a trip to the UK and went to London and then on to Liverpool and uh, went to the Apple Recording Studio. We just had a wonderful, that was a wonderful trip. Mm. And now uh, we are working, lots of singer-songwriters. We've had projects in Sweden, Czech Republic, the UK. Uh, certainly we've had a lot of Irish artists that we've worked with and now 
the road to Nashville with Dr. Tawar and his team, Daniel Zander, and uh, we're opening a Liverpool office. We've just been invited to join the Motor Museum office space where Tuff has their office. And so PLA will have a little offices there as well. So it's very exciting. And uh, coming back to yourself, Helen, talk to us a bit about Shiftworks and Talon Music Week that you uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, yes, Shiftworks is then a company that I run. I'm the uh, head of the owner of, and Tally Music Week is one of the key uh, brands that we have, a festival. Uh, the title Shiftworks comes from our idea of making a shift, uh, making a change, and it actually resonates with this idea really well that we think culture is, uh, is a very powerful tool to make social change and to give meaning to processes that we are in. So the way that we see both of the festivals that we run, uh, Tallinn Music Week and Station Narva, uh, we see them in a way like tools in the society that they can enhance collaboration, they can bring different walks of life of people all together, but also they can raise topics and uh, conversation points in the society, kind of like they uh, help us to create communication value in the society as well and also to share it internally uh, within our own country but also to connect um, ourselves with like-minded people all around the world. So I think um, the core of what we do is always um, culture, arts and creative solutions but then um, uh, I think what we have witnessed is that Uh, cultural festivals, for example, have an opportunity to bring people, organizations, companies and institutions behind this joint table that otherwise wouldn't even meet and wouldn't collaborate. And uh, I don't know, if we think about very complex uh, challenges we have in a society, be it then, I don't know, environmental change or green the green mm. turn or or how to promote equality in the society, then I think we really need very diverse stakeholders to be on board. Mm. And I think one of the core po- problems is that we've built the society based on silos. Quite yeah. often, you know, the people in the educational sector know who they work with and the people in the culture and the people in the business. But what we've witnessed is that uh, when we build these processes that uh, tie in different disciplines and types of people from all walks of life, uh, we start finding creative solutions to challenging problems. And uh, this is the type of service we're putting our festivals and our company to. So we have also kind of like small collaboration think tanks within our organization where we tie in people from different, I don't know, public service or ministries from different pl- disciplines, be then Ministry of Social Affairs or Foreign Affairs or, or uh, I- Environmental Affairs or, or then uh, our, what, what makes us different as well is that we can really talk to uh, different types of audiences, youngsters, but also elderly, creatives. So I think mm. there are not very many um, processes uh, we have designed in our societies that really have this capacity to tie different walks of life together. I think culture can do that. That's amazing stuff, Helen. Thank you so much for taking us through the world of Shiftworks, Talon Music Week, Station Narva, inspiring stuff there. And speaking of inspiring, I would love now to invite Dr. Talwar and Pam to talk about the Roads to Nashville project. So bring our listeners up to speed about this amazing collaboration between Nashville and Liverpool. And we'll start with yourself, Dr. Talwar. In 2020, 
uh, when we were all in lockdown, Austin, um, Liverpool City Council and our organization, Tough, uh, got together. The reason they got together is because uh, their favorite son, John Lennon, was having mm. his 80th birthday. Oh, uh, oh. They realized that they won't be able to celebrate it because everyone's going to be locked in. Yeah. So um, my background, you know, I'm, I'm from Liverpool. My father came to Liverpool from India in 1964. So we realized that something had to be done. At that time, the charity that the Unity of Faith Foundation was doing a campaign called Hashtag Kind 20. And we were promoting kindness around the world. Yeah. We've got about 6.7 million hashtags around the world wow. from 120 countries. So, And Liverpool wanted to join in somehow because Liverpool thinks it's the kindest city on the planet. Well, I think anyway, but, um, I could <laughs> nice. be biased. Um, so we, ca- we came to a conclusion that on John Lennon's birthday, let's announce an international song for kindness, an international song contest wow. in memory of John Lennon. So myself and, uh, and the team from Tough and with Liverpool City Council, with the mayor, announced this incredible song contest. But the unique thing about the song contest was the song contest was the blanket. I know as a psychologist that the creative arts suffered more and was suffering at the time of more with COVID because musicians and songwriters were suffering because they didn't go through a furlough system, as you know. They, they were relying on their gigs. They were relying on, their, uh, on the money that was coming on the table. And there was no bread on the table. So they were suffering with, with anxiety. They were suffering with, with, with poverty as well at the same time. So what we felt was that, why don't we do this? When you submit your songs, there will be a button where it's, the question will be asked, would you like to speak to a life coach or a psychologist in your town, in your city, in your country, free of charge. Wow. So what we did was give three free sessions. Now, I'm part of the British Psychologist Society, and I know many psychologists and life coaches around the world. So what we managed to do as an organization, as tough, is gather psychologists and life coaches around the world that will give three free sessions to all these musicians and songwriters around the world. And that's what happened. Thousands of songs were submitted. Many hundreds were asking for free mental health support. And we gave it. We actually did give it. And that was the great key thing that was, uh, that was really important. And that made it different from other song contests that this was supporting mental health firsthand and yeah. free of charge wow. and taking care of the creative arts. Now, Nashville and Liverpool. So when we completed this, uh, this first season of the Liverpool International Song for Kindness in memory of John Lennon, Liverpool City Council, and this is a wonderful story. Uh, I, as you know, America did not allow the, 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 us Brits in or, or any of us in um, for three years or two. I don't know how it was. And they only allowed us in last year, November. My brother and sister live in San Francisco, so as, and my mother was living with me. So I, as a good son, I took my mother to San Francisco to take to meet my brother and sister. Wow. Now, the road to Nashville wasn't originally called the road to Nashville. <laughs> right. It was called the road to Reykjavik. Seriously? Wow. Right. So there's a, there's a story behind this, an incredible, <laughs> very interesting story. We announced the road to Reykjavik at the finals in the Cavern Club on 2021 okay. with the mayor of Reykjavik. You know, the reason yeah. we did that is, I don't know if people know this or your listeners know this, there's actually a peace light of John Lennon 
in Reykjavik that goes up and that that Yoko Ono put up on John Amazing. Lennon's 50th birthday. But I don't, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this, but after 10 years, when John had passed away, she went to Liverpool City Council to say, and I don't know if your listeners have seen, there's a statue of the four, four, the four boys outside the docks. Yes. She had asked to put a peace light there on the 50th birthday in memory of John Lennon. They weren't very kind to her. So incredibly upset and in tears, she took the first flight to um, whatever she's got from Manchester and he went to Reykjavik. And from Reykjavik, basically, um, she had this vision sitting there, had a vision of John and said, look, there's an island there, put the light there. Now, she contacted Reykjavik City Council. Of course, it's Yoko Ono, the mayor. And everybody said, what would you like? <laughs> yes. I would like to put a peace light in memory of my husband. Of course. And since then, that peace light goes up for the whole month in Reykjavik. So we thought, okay, the road to Reykjavik. Yeah. But Liverpool had other ideas. So I, like I said, let's, let's forward the whole story now. Go back to November uh, 2021. I'm in America. I'm in San Francisco. I get a phone call from Liverpool City Council. And they said, um, Dr. Talba, um, we know you're in America. Um, would it be possible you could go to Nashville? I said, Nashville? Where's Nashville? I'm a doctor. I'm not a musician. I haven't got a clue. I mean, come on. Where's Nashville? It's the music city of the planet. I'm like, yes. No, I come from Liverpool. That's our music city of the world. That's what we know. No, no, no. So then I looked it up. I said, okay, fine. I said, why? We got Reykjavik. They said, well, Nashville is the music city. Liverpool is a music city. We've been trying to get together for 40 years. Whoa. 40 years because of egos, of politics. Nothing officially has ever happened. But if you get us both together, you're the, t you're the tough organization, the unity of faith. You're meant to be the bridge between all these religions and cultures. Yeah. If you, bring, if you be the bridge between Liverpool and Nashville, we can bet your bottom dollar that many more thousands of musicians and songwriters will be supported worldwide because the power of Nashville and Liverpool are officially coming together. Yeah. So I said, fine. Um, Liverpool City Council wrote to the governor here, uh, wrote to the mayor of, of Nashville, wrote to the tourism offices that there's Dr. Talwa coming to Nashville. Now, <laughs> this was amazing because I got here thinking, yeah, everyone's going to open me with open arms. Nothing of the sort. <laughs> Tough crowd. <laughs> I rang everybody up. Honestly, I rang everybody thinking, what's going on? Seriously, I said, nothing was happening. Nothing. No one was opening any doors. I'm thinking, then I ring Liverpool City Council. I said, listen, what's going on? And I was so, so upset. And then I remember walking down the Broadway here, the Honky Tonk in Nashville. Yeah. I had a few Proseccos, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, Good man. <laughs> no, no, I, I honestly, I, you know, I, I just go in uh, the book of, 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 of Bob Geldof, do you know? Uh, you oh, know, yes. I just, got, I got absolutely peed off and I was effing and blinding uh, John Lennon. Yeah. And I said, listen, I've come here. I'm a doctor. I'm not putting money in my pocket. I'm doing this in yeah. your name. For yeah. God's sake, please, John, do something. Because <laughs> I am here for you. I'm here for people. I'm here for mental health. I'm here to help and support and save people's lives. Can you please do something? Yeah. And I remember I had tears in my eyes as I'm walking down and I reached the Hard Rock Cafe at the end of here. And then I pick up the phone and call my friend in Los Angeles. I said, do you, listen, I'm in Nashville. What the are you doing in, in Nashville? I said, 
we've got this mental health program with music. Yeah, but I thought it's in Iceland. I said, no, no, it's not in Iceland. We'll do it. We want to do it in Nashville. Do you know anybody here? There's a, we, I don't know anybody. I said, let me give it a go. Give me, give it a try. So anyway, I, I waited for half an hour sitting on the steps, I think on the pavement, actually, um, absolutely didn't know where to look to praying to John Lennon, to the universe, to God. I'm being honest. And within half an hour, I get an email from Pam Lewis, basically saying, Dr. Talwa, um, I heard you need some support. Please come and see me tomorrow. Amazing. Really, Austin, within 20 minutes of that, I got an email from the mayor's office to meet me at, to meet his team at a place called the Love Cafe. And then I got Perfect. Perfect. another, t- and then I got a- another email from the tourism office to come and see us. And then we did the launch um, on the ninth, which was which is fantastic. The launch was done simultaneously with with Liverpool Mayor and the Nashville Mayor. It w- we did it here in Nashville at the Musicians Hall of Fame. They did it in Liverpool at the Bus- British Music Experience. It was done by BBC World Service, watched by thirty five million people. Whoa. The launch. Um, simultaneously, it was incredible the impact it made. But it was it was one of those live aid kind of moments that you know mm. this is the moment that, that could change the world. Uh, Wyona Judd, who basically was a big country music uh, um, star here, oh, yeah. Naomi, sorry, yeah, yeah Naomi, sorry, um, yeah. was getting buried at the time because she had lost her life because of mental health. At yeah. the same moment that she's getting buried, yeah. The mayor of Nashville said, as she's getting buried, one of our daughters is getting buried because of mental health problem. Yeah, A nice. mental health program is getting conceived in Liverpool and in Nashville at the same time. Uh, so you can't write those sort of scripts. It just was meant to be sort of thing. And since then, you know, it's, it's been incredible because we've had over 20,000 submissions from 31 countries, um, over just just now under 4,000 people are asking for mental health support, which we're supporting them free of charge. Amazing. It's officially become the biggest songwriting contest on the planet, officially. So again, you know, we can't, it's not tough. To, the Road to Nashville, the Liverpool International Song Contest, it's about people coming together, organizations coming together. We, as tough, are just a bridge. We, we welcome everybody to come on board. And that's why I said, you can't save the world on your own. We're building the new Avengers here. And that's what we're doing. The real people, real superheroes of this planet that so many people have, so many amazing work that goes unseen. Let's just come together shoulder to shoulder and help as support musicians, songwriters, the creative arts as much as possible. So that's in a nutshell what The Road to Nashville is. And uh, Pam, let's come over to yourself. That's an amazing backstory there we heard from Dr. Talwar. You know, you got this email, you decided to pick up the phone or, or contact him back, and then you made some magic happen. Um, you know, what was the whole experience like for you? Well, to be truthful, I, I got a phone call from a colleague of mine who is in California. She's working on her MBA. And, and her name is uh, Tori Kais. She's yeah. worked in the music business and television and went to college here and now is working on her master's. At any rate, she's like, listen, there's this Indian guy. He's a doctor. He's working on a songwriting competition and he needs marketing help. Would mm-hmm. you take a meeting with him? I'm like, sure, I'll take a meeting. I mean, I'm, I, to me, it was just another client potentially. That's all. So he walks in. Uh, I, I sent him an email and I said, hey, Dr. Talwar, I just spoke with Tori. Be happy to meet with you. Um, come on, can you can you meet, meet at my office? Now, I'm 
still spending part of the time in Nashville and part of the time I'm working remotely as, as are so many people still, we just never went back to the office. So I was going to be in, in the office Tuesday or Wednesday. So he said, sure, I'll be happy to be there. So he walks in with Siobhan Kennedy, who is a scouser like he is. Um, <laughs> and, and he's, he, Sham is a very interesting guy. I mean, he's got a lot of charisma and he, he always smells like cologne. He wears Dylan blue. And I said, well, you smell good. <laughs> and, and so we have, and so, or so I said, somebody smells good is what I said. And Siobhan looks at me and she goes, it's him. And she points to, <laughs> she points to Sham. <laughs> so like, again, yeah, it was good. hysterical. And so and she has a very strong Scouse accent, Liverpudlian accent, uh, Sham less so. So we start talking and they explain everything. And he's like, would you be interested? I said, sure. So we wrote a proposal. And he's like, can't you find someone to pay for you? Like, well, I have a staff I have to pay, Sean. (laughs) So we worked things out. And uh, that was April of this year. And as he said earlier, it has been just knocking on doors and knocking on doors and knocking on Mm. doors. And, And he had everything paid for if he went to Reykjavik. Yeah. But John Lennon was not going to have that, nor was the Liverpool City Council, and clearly God was not going to have that. Right. So we had to then figure out how to raise the money to make this work. Yeah. And as Sham explained earlier, each person that is opting in for counseling gets three free sessions. Well, each session is valued at about $250 a session. So yeah. that's nearly $1,000 per person. Yeah. And we've had well over... 3,600 people and climbing. And, and the interesting interesting thing is we were going to stop the competition July 31st, have a cutoff. We extended it a month to August 31st, and the songs are still coming in, and the requests are still coming in. So Dr. Wow. Tower said, well, you know what? As long as people are sending songs, let's put them aside. We will listen to them for 2023. Yeah. And I will continue to make sure that people get counseling if they need it. Oh, so that's yeah. the difference between there's tons of songwriting competitions. Yeah. And most of the time they charge a fee to mm-hmm. listen to your songs. So yeah. the fact that we never charged a fee and no fee for counseling. And uh, Dr. Tawar is still, we're still in touch with the winners. We had 11 winners. We had 10 that were going to be chosen out of the 20,000 plus. And then we had a, a dear friend, Joe Chambers, who started the Musicians Hall of Fame, which anyone who's listening, when you, if you ever come to Nashville, go visit it because it really showcases multiple genres of musicians from around the world. Joe passed away. We launched from the Musicians Hall of Fame October 9th, uh, which, as Sham explained, uh, Naomi Judd was being laid to rest. Mm -hmm. Uh, That day, it went simultaneously from the British Music Experience and the Musicians Hall of Fame. So then his trustees, the board, got together and said, let's pick one more person, one more talented songwriter in honor of Joe Chambers. So instead of 10, we added one more. And so this young girl, Abby Muir, came with her mom. She was just a teenager and came with Gavin, who works with uh, Sham in Australia and helped her come over. The family sold their car so they could afford to get the airfare to come to Nashville. And this young gal just blew everybody away. And uh, she's, what, 17 years old, I think, 18 years old. So the cool thing about the project is the camaraderie of all the people involved. It wasn't this cutthroat, you know, I'm better than you kind of attitude. Everybody melded together. Everybody had fun. 
They enjoyed Nashville. Some of them didn't know where Nashville was on the map. They thought it was in Texas. So, yeah. you know, we all get kind of um, in our own bubble, don't we? And we think that we're the world. And we were learning that the, there's many, many ways of connecting. And that's what this was about. Fantastic. Oh, th- glad to hear it. That's lovely. And Helen, you know, we've just heard from Shemenda and Pam there about the whole Road to Nashville project. It sounds like what they're doing and what you are doing is very much you know, along the lines of impact investing. So, you know, the way like financial markets, they direct their capital into projects which are going to improve life on earth. It seems that all of you are directing your cultural capital to places where it's going to make life better for everyone. Uh, what, what do you think about the power of culture to make an impact in the world? I think, uh, first of all, I think we need to reframe how we see culture in our societies. Yeah. Uh, somehow uh, we have so far maybe d- talked about culture in realm of, you know, it needs f- public funding, support, and of course it does. But I think we need to uh, access culture, in fact, through the lens of the world impact. Mm. I think culture can be a catalyst that is driver for different processes in the lives. First of all, it gives meaning and a sense of confidence and identity to every and each individual. Um, through that identity and the lens of understanding who they are, they can communicate to the rest of the world. But also, I think culture can be really a catalyst for also economic uh, growth. Uh, for example, there's an in- interesting piece of statistics that 40% of world tourism is actually motivated by culture. So wow. so in many cases, when we start to zoom in, we see that it is culture that drives a certain type of behavior or makes people move. So we're a reason why people would do something. So we're actually, uh, you know, quite a lo- lot we talk about that, okay, then we need public funding or the companies need to uh, support culture. I think we need to reverse that view. I think the culture is there at the bottom of creating an incentive and the reason why people go out and do things so we can give a new purpose to i don't know ne- neglected parts of town we can bring together people who otherwise wouldn't meet so i think uh, the impact has been severely underestimated so far mm. Amen. I'm sure many people listening to the podcast right now are nodding their heads furiously in agreement with you, myself included. Um, And staying with yourself for a moment, Helen, what do you think the world would look like if more organisations, more festivals, more, you know, groups of people actually deployed culture in this way with purpose and with that kind of impact in mind? You know, interestingly, I was just a week ago, I was in Lisbon uh, at this event called uh, uh, WOMAX, which is uh, centered around the world heritage music. And what I was thinking there that COVID left us a huge desire for meeting and connection. And also, you know, with the war in Ukraine and everything which is happening geopolitically, we understand that codependency on resources has not, unfortunately, granted peace between the people. So I think the kind of notion of culture first, that let's start creating these human connections based on openness and curiosity Mm. and mutual respect, I think this would transform our international relations in a completely new way as well, that instead of exports, we start talking about exchange, instead Mm. of business First, we start talking about how to make a common ground and mutual interest. And uh, instead of self-gain, there will be just kind of a mutual great gain on the surface. So I think 
culture just really helps to put the human in the center and make all the interaction based on individual interaction in the end. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like the kind of thing, uh, you know, world leaders would have mandatory musical and cultural training, uh, not just uh, kind of military and economic and political. And coming over to yourself, Shemenda, now we just heard from Helen about the amazing transformational power of culture and how it can break down barriers and borders. I mean, what's your experience with that? Because you've really been bringing together all people all over the world. You've been helping them with their mental health, their sense of connection to each other. And uh, it seems very much aligned in terms of the purpose. You know, what, what examples have you seen through your work of music breaking down barriers between people all over the world? Well, like I mentioned, um, music has, you know, has what, it has a unique language, the language of the mm. heart. So, you know, I don't need to speak your language. Yours language could be, you know, any language on the planet. But if I just play a piece of music, we both relate to it immediately. Yes. And uh, as a co-founder of a charity called The Unity of Fates, um, you can imagine for the last 11, 12 years, we've been, I've been, you know, firsthand and the team has been firsthand of trying to be a bridge between, you know, Muslims and Jews and, and Christians and Hindus and, and Buddhists and, you know, Hindu, it's just the list goes on just to be the yes. bridge. And, you know, I say to a lot of people that religion has, let's, be fa- let's face it, has been the cause of many wars. But culture is something that we could absolutely celebrate. You know, culture is something that we can share. Culture is something that we can, so like, you know, educate each other with as well at the same time hence why it's important that we understand and not and aren't ignorant to other people's culture but just to welcome other people's culture and that's really important and music has that been been that catalyst of opening up doors breaking the barriers breaking the ice you know, and and many of the music industry have had the power to do that. I mean, as you know, in 1985, we had, I think, the one of the biggest impacts in the world uh, called Live Aid, if you remember, and and it broke. It absolutely, you know, touched everybody's hearts. You know, if you remember what Bob Geldof did, you know, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It was it was the and, and we didn't have mobile phones at those times. We didn't have any social media. But what, 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 what Live Aid achieved was touching the culture of music, was touching the, the culture of the heart, the culture of the soul of each. It doesn't matter what religion you are, doesn't matter what background you're from, you are part of that somewhere, somewhere in the world. So, and nice. I think now in 2022, and like Helen, you know, I, I, I just want to carry on what Helen's saying. As a psychologist, let me tell you this, that what COVID has taught us is many things. But one thing I've noticed is people don't want fakeness anymore. People just want authenticity Mm -hmm. now. Hence why you get a lot of these programs that were there beforehand, like the X Factors, everything, that have not are not going to go well with the public anymore. They want realness. You know, there's a truth energy out there, Austin, now. There's an actual truth energy out there. People just want to speak the truth, hear the truth, and, and no more facade anymore. You can't play games anymore. If you tell a lie, you'll be caught. You know what's happening in the British Parliament. We've had three prime ministers basically in the space of how many days or something? At, at the time of recording, yeah. I should mention. Yeah, you know, exactly. This figure could be updated very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> 
But <laughs> there's a truth energy out there. So yeah, you tell good. the truth, it's going to be amplified. You tell a lie, that's also going to be amplified as well. And that's the energy that's taken. And what music has, because it has an incredible, amazing vibration, a vibration, because everything's about vibration. And when you sense that, when you sense, send the vibrations out, our sound, everything, and music has that power, what you're actually doing is, is connecting with different souls around and different cultures around the world. So that's the beauty and power of culture and music now, especially now from 2022 onwards. And I can tell you this as a psychologist, it's actually getting out there in a much more amplified way. That was a sermon, my friend. That was a sermon. Amen. Thank you so much. And so I'm going to just move on to the biggest of questions, perhaps. We're going to start with yourself, Helen, putting you on the spot. The question is, can music change the world? Um, first, I love this thought of truth energy. I really, yes. really resonate with that completely as well. And just to bring one more example from the country I come from, Estonia, is that, you know, the way we broke away uh, from the Soviet Union back in the start of 90s was through something that we call the singing revolution, which was one of like, it's a, it's a concept of a peaceful protest where the power of people to unite together to actually change uh, the course of our country and our region was through actually coming together by, I don't know, 3,000 people all together in one square and to sing. And and it, that just created an atmosphere that we can do this together. And mm-hmm. I think joined people together in a way that nobody really expected. So so it's a, it's a real phenomenon that uh, resonates to us over in this part of the world as well. But talking about uh, how it can change, I mean, one of the first artists who played at our festival in Station Narva, I just remember right now, was Tricky. Uh, and what he said in one of the interviews that he gave to the local press in Estonia was that if I wouldn't be in music, I would be in jail. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I, I think we've seen these cases, all of us in our lives, that uh, even right now we see, I don't know, young kids from suburbs, from poor conditions, and just really kind of lacking the purpose and connection. And suddenly they are in music and suddenly they find purpose for their lives. So I think, I don't know, we've seen witness to stories like that uh, everywhere, all the time, continuously. Um, Young kids having purpose, but not only young kids, but also, I don't know, elderly people, finding cure for loneliness, uh, just finding connection to going to social clubs, dancing, singing together. And, you know, it's um, since the war broke down in Ukraine, the tension in the Estonian Russian speaking community has been quite uh, severe. Mm. And uh, we're constantly actually trying to use our festivals also to bring people together through the language barrier and something that the mayor of a town called Narva, which is 96% Russian spoken in Estonia, said that Music is the best medicine to heal political wounds. <laughs> so I think she she put it really nicely. And, um, you know, it's something that our team member from the Russian-speaking community said as well, that once you've danced together with somebody, you're not really stranger, strangers after that anymore. So then there, there are sometimes these occasions when things are too painful even to put them into words or to discuss them uh, verbally. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes we need other forms of communication to help us to, you know, not argue, but still spend time in the same environment and atmosphere 
And I think music just provides this uh, environment where we can um, spend time, not fight, <laughs> essentially. Amazing. Thank you so much, Helen. That's a beautiful answer. That's absolutely wonderful. Yes, we all need to get together and dance more often. Amen to that. And uh, Shemenda, how about yourself? Do you believe that music can change the world? Well, it has. <laughs> Come on, it has. It actually has. <laughs> you know, we, we've been, you know, the the example which I gave of 84, the example which we gave about, do they, do they know it's Christmas time? You know, heal the world. There's, this, there's so much, there's so many factors, there's so many examples about music. And now, especially now in 2022, uh, when we have been locked down for many years, we were locked down for two years, people survived on music to keep their mm -hmm. sanity. Yes. People relied on music to make sure there wasn't any domestic violence. People relied on music to make sure that they didn't have a situation with their neighbor. It was incredible that the power of music, the power of the healing the psychology of music actually transformed, transformed human beings from any culture, any background, any country, any city, any village mm. on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. That's beautiful. I mean, what do we think needs to happen next? Open question. Who'd like to jump? Helen, who'd like to jump in there? Um, yeah, I think somehow really we find need to find a new way. I mean, it's always like we come from the music sector and the cultural sector and we explain that, oh, we are so important that can't you see this sector is just really <laughs> powerful to have impact. Yeah. I think we need to find a way to kind of turn this or reframe this conversation really because all of us are very convinced and we see these samples every day and it's really interesting to hear, Dr. Dalvar, your, your arguments <laughs> coming in as a psychologist into this conversation, I think we need to include more disciplines, all the kind of brain science behind it. And I think we need to back it up with statistics and science and uh, bring in people from other disciplines. I think we need to get be better at um, proving our economic imprint as well. You know, how mm. we were drivers for economic change as well and growth. And we create jobs uh, you know, it's like we, we see very well, you know, it's like the East Estonia needs to make an economic turn of coming out of like oil shale mining, mm. basically. Mm, and yes. these people need to restudy what they're going to be becoming. What What is their new position in life? You know, what's their employment? What's their job? And we see that, for example, creative sector coming a small time, tiny kind of small-time entrepreneur and coming into the cultural field in that will is one of the really clear opportunities for them. Mm. But I think we need to build the pattern of argumentation of how this becomes visible in much more smarter way, because mm. I really think we can offer solutions to our societies that um, haven't been tried before. So, mm. so we need to make our impact more visible. Indeed. Yeah. Put, put some numbers uh, behind the, the emotion and the, the conviction there. Absolutely great advice there. And um, Helen, what's coming up from you and your teams next? 
Yeah, right now we're preparing for the next uh, Dali Music Week, which is going to take place 11th to 14th of May, uh, which as always uh, awaits uh, around 2,000 international guests, around 200 artists, but also brings together like 30,000 people from across the town and the country. Um, and we are still uh, working forward with our projects in Narva, the border town, uh, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, but also, I think now is the time to really, again, draw together the international collaboration ties as well that maybe were a little bit kind of forgotten during the COVID times. So I think uh, in the geopolitical situation we're at and us being bordering Russia, I think uh, we mm. really need to bring the ties within our European and global community together as well. Uh, because besides all the other wonderful things we discussed, uh, we still need to actively think of peace in the yeah. world. Yeah. Something we we thought that was kind of sorted in our part of the world actually isn't, we realized. So yeah, something indeed. to work on as well. Yeah, we need to emphasize the point that, you know, compare, uh, why I always compare 85 with now, yeah. um, music didn't make an impact in 85 with, with Geldof and Midgier and, and Bono, they didn't make a difference. Um, and I think now we're at, that, we're at that moment in life where music, again, needs the support, the industry needs the support, but at the same time, it's not just the industry, it's the people that were, who are you know there, the, the songwriters and, and musicians and the creative arts who are suffering, who actually yeah. are suffering. Mm. Austin, people are dying. People are committing suicide. I know this firsthand. Yeah. And the more that we all get together and support, it's, it's required. So that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Pamela, coming back to your good self, what, what are your thoughts on the role of music uh, around bringing people together and breaking down barriers and borders? Well, I, I witnessed it recently. I mean, uh, every day we see this, but I, I really recently witnessed it when we had the 11 winners that came in for the road to Nashville. And mm -hmm. we were at Broadcast Music Incorporated, BMI, which is one of our performing rights organizations. And they, I called them and I said, hey, listen, we need a place to do interviews. We have the BBC coming over. We have other, we have CBS here. We need a place to do interviews where we can have all of the uh, contestants interviewed, profiles done, et cetera. So I said, okay, come and use the office. We're closed on this particular Friday, it was October 7th. And um, there's a guy named Shannon Sanders. Now, Shannon, any of you who have seen the new Elvis movie, Shannon is an award-winning, he's won two Grammys, he is a multi-instrumentalist, and he plays the evangelical Pentecostal preacher in oh. this movie. Oh. And when Elvis sneaks into the revival tent, and there's a black minister up there preaching, that's Shannon Sanders. And it's a pivotal mo moment in the film. Yes. At any rate, Shannon is really big presence. He's a great guy. But he also happens to be a, a vice president, senior vice president at BMI. So we're there and the building's empty. We're doing these interviews and I'm running around making sure everybody's happy. And we just impromptu go into the lobby of the BMI building and Shannon... And Eddie Callier, he ended up being our winner. Eddie Callier uh, from Los Angeles, an African-American gentleman. They just start jamming on the piano, totally impromptu. 
and everyone starts singing Lean on Me. And it went crazy. And we're just kind of, everybody's like just pinching themselves. We know there was no rehearsal. There was nothing. We just started singing. And these people, two days later, were going to be competing against one another. And they came from all over the world to be in Nashville to compete. Liverpool, Australia, Canada, the U.S. And yet everybody's singing. And Beautiful. we're all we're all hugging each other. It was just like <laughs> wow! It was spontaneous. Just this yeah. one example, and that's like a typical day. It's a yeah. typical day in this town. And at any, you know, it's like the, the joke is, it all begins with a song, and there's no excuse to hear bad music because there's so yes. much great music out there. Yeah. Um, and and it does touch your heart, and it gives you hope. And when yeah. you're happy, it makes you happier. Yeah. And when you're sad. It gets you through those dark periods. Yeah. And it yeah. just becomes, it makes life worth living. I, I don't think that's that's too much to say. Uh, and Dr. Talwar, what do you think, you know, needs to happen next? I, I think, firstly, you can't save the world on your own. Yeah. It's important that organizations, industries come together. Yeah. Um, because what is needed right now is that ecosystem, that support system. And the music industry needs it. Incredible. Mm. The music has been healing, has been being that service to yes. humanity for many centuries. It's now time that humanity pays back that service to the music industry to support, be it my industry of the health, of medicine, of psychology, be it the law society, be it any society, be it the governments have to get together basically and support the music industry, support musicians, support songwriters who are suffering, who are dying of sin. People are committing suicide. It's kicking the bucket and saying, you know what, what's the point in life? And that's why it's important. It is that 1985 Bob Geldof, Mujio Bono moment when live hate happened. And we know what Bob Geldof said to giving, give me your effing money, as you know that live on, 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 (laughs) on BBC. I'm telling people, please get up and please Give your effing support to us because you can't save the world on your own. Come on, yeah. guys. Shoulder to shoulder. Doctors, lawyers, teachers, you know, nurses. Everyone get together and support the music industry. Support the musicians. So- support the songwriters around the world. Come on, we yeah. can do this. Absolutely. And if anybody listening wants to help, they, they want to reach out to you, get in touch, be part of uh, Tough, be part of your future initiatives. How would you like them to get in touch with you? Well, just all they have to do is look at our website. And it's a very easy website, tough.earth. It says what it does on the tin. Fantastic. And what's coming next from the team at tough.earth? Well, what we're doing now, the mayor of Liverpool flew into uh, Nashville two weeks back and signed a five-year deal with Nashville to do the project for the f- next five years because we wow. know from 20,000 could turn into 250 to 2.5 million. We, we have, what we, what we did check is the project connected with over 4 million people worldwide. So that, that really helps. Wow. Um, and so we know the power of this. I'm not, I'm not putting other organizations or uh, other uh, shows down or whatever, but people like need authenticity now. Yeah. This is a song contest that basically does not highlight your disability, but highlights your ability. This is not exclusive, but inclusive. And that's why it's really important that people got recognized. I mean, look, our top 10 came from Australia, from Ghana, from, from all of parts, from, from Manchester, from Newcastle, 
you know, it's incredible. People were coming from all around the world that came that came to Nashville. We brought them over to Nashville to perform here. Um, and again, the most important thing is the mental health support that yeah. this ecosystem that's been built organically, Yosin. It's been yeah. done. And and many more psychologists who are listening, please come also come forward because we need your support. This industry needs your support. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, there's a, a wonderful invitation for many of you listening, I'm sure. Uh, please do reach out to uh, Dr. Talwar and his team, tough.earth. Link is in the show notes. Uh, thank you all so much for that absolutely brilliant, inspiring discussion. We've heard how culture is a force for good in the world, a force for peace, a force for bringing people together and raising our collective energy to make l- the world a better place, genuinely. Um, so our last question is very much aligned with this, and it is to choose a musical track to add to our VIP title playlist. And we'll start with your good self, Helen. Yes, I have picked a track from um, Estonian duo, which is called Duo Root. They come from the Estonian folk heritage music background, but are making beautifully crafted contemporary music. And um, I will say the title of the song. You will not understand what it means, but it's called in Estonian, Vera Sonat, The Words of Blood. But this comes from an ancient Estonian storytelling song. We have a tradition of music where all the ancient stories were told through music to do a route for you. Wonderful. They are a superb band. The music is so interesting, so kind of modern, but kind of uh, rooted in history as well. That's absolutely wonderful. And Dr. Talwar, what track are you going to be adding to our VIP title playlist today? Well, I wanted two, actually, and I'll tell you why I wanted two. I'm sorry about this. (laughs) You're welcome. The, The reason I said two is because they both come from a different, they both come from the same tree. Yeah, uh, but have a both different way of looking at life. Okay. Uh, one is John Lennon's Imagine, and one is George Harrison's Here Comes the Sun, uh, and they're both going in the same direction. They have different ways of saying it. It's it's like the same wine but different bottle. How's that? What a wine! What a bottle! Oh my goodness! Two of the best songs ever made, written and recorded, right there. Thank you so much. And so, Pamela, what song would you like to add to our VIP title playlist? I would say Lean on Me. And the song that I just talked about. Um, and another song, which is my favorite Garth Brooks song. He did not write it. A gentleman by the name of Tony Arada wrote it. And there's also a video. You can Google a video. It's called The Dance. Thank you so much, Pamela. That's wonderful. Okay, and I am going to add to our playlist myself, uh, Louis Armstrong, the great Louis Armstrong. We have all the time in the world. So thank you so much for joining us on Audio Talks presented by Harman. Helen Sildner. It was lovely to be here. Thank you for your time. Dr. Shemender Talwar. As Boston, it's been an incredible pleasure. And Pamela Lewis. Most grateful. Thank you so much for inviting me. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe, comment and share Audio Talks with your friends and family. If you're enjoying the Audio Talks series of podcasts, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your favourite podcasts and leave a nice review with all the stars. It really does mean a lot and it helps new listeners get to know about the amazing guests we talk to in every single episode. So for more exclusive content, some behind the scenes goodies and maybe even some competitions do feel free to connect with us over on the instagram you can find us at audio talks podcast we'll be back soon for some more legendary and world-changing audio talks see you next time